Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We're live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we're coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it. Toronto to think that that a season is championship or championship is is um, certainly the way we've approached it to the Miami Heat fans it was uh you're despicable people and I hope I never hear from you again Milwaukee we dogs James Harden is a massive choker and he is a bum bum finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo Bogdan Bogdanovich Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello, and welcome to episode 113 of the Brew Hoop Podcast. Uh, I am Riley Feldman, one-third of your typical hosting trio here at the podcast. I am joined, as per usual, this wonderful Sunday evening by Kyle Carr. Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Survived the four-day weekend that is Thanksgiving break. Uh, made it in one piece and completely sane. So, yeah, I can't complain. And to help round out, and we'll get in some Thanksgiving talk here in a moment, but to round out the tripod, I think this is a record for a number of weeks in a row we've had a third different co-host. Uh, it's the world's biggest Brad Lohaus fan, and... <laughs> Are, uh, both in the world, staff everywhere. It's uh, Van Fias. Van, how are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, what's your? Do you have a Brad Lowhouse update for this? What's the latest Lowhouse in Lowhouse fandom? I'll be honest with you. I've been a bad Brad Lowhouse fan, uh, and uh, last I checked, he's just in Iowa. I know he's got like a dairy farm or something down there. Um, I don't know. I should probably uh, maybe I should uh, look him up. Like he's probably in the phone book if they, if there is a I don't know. <laughs> it's two thousand probably yellow pages floating around. Two thousand twenty one. What am I talking about? Uh, I'm sure I can look him up. Maybe yeah, exclusive uh, Brew Hoop interview and maybe Brew Hoop podcast guest Brad Lowe. He definitely if he's a dairy farmer in Iowa, he's a hundred percent the kind of guy who we could reach out to and get on the podcast. That's a guarantee. I, I know some stuff about dairy farming too. And of course, Adam, the regular. I was going to say, that's Adam's wheelhouse. Yeah. We could, we could have a nice crossover, crossover pod with like the world dairy expo or something. With 4 H. We'd have, I'm sure 4 H has a podccast. We'd have the 4 H Brew podcast that everybody's clambering for. What's that like? The future FFA or something like that. Future Farmers of America. We could we could get them in on it too. I think that's like a big thing in like rural school districts. Um, it would probably be the it. 
it would be the kind of interview that would finally get people to review the podcast and it would not be positive <laughs> reviews. So we probably, <laughs> probably not going to look through that all that closely. But how was your guys' uh, Thanksgiving before we get into the Bucks? Kyle, did you... You said you yeah. survived. I, I, well, that. I mean, it's just when you have the when I have the kids for a weekend, it's like it's great, but it's also exhausting. So to have two more days of it just adds to it. But Thursday was good. We went to Emma's parents, had Thanksgiving there. Um, good food. Friday, we swung over to Emma's parents again for breakfast, but otherwise just hung out at home. Saturday, we did some errands and got the Christmas tree up. And then today, Emma and Sterling went to the Children's Museum. I stayed home with Desmond just because my back was not at 100%. And I didn't think running around a museum and, or carrying a child the whole time was going to be a good idea. So we stayed back. We had a good time, though. And yeah, otherwise, it was a good weekend. I mean, like I said, it was relaxing, but it was also one of those where it's just like mentally, I am like, okay, I can't wait to drop you two off at daycare tomorrow. That This is what mm-hmm. this is what I paid for. You, Kyle like, Lopez. Lopez-esque in your back pain management to say, uh, so would you say you have a target date in your mind for when you would like to return to the children's museum or? Yeah, I, I, I have a date in mind, you know, I think it's planned out and I'm, ma- I'm making good progress. So <laughs> good. We'll clip that. We're going to get a lot of views on that. We're going to get a ton of views. Uh, how about you, Van? How was your Thanksgiving? You know, I kind of sat this one out this year, actually. I um, I did some dog sitting last week, which was always fun. Um, so I was away from the family, which was, you know, that was that was fine. And I had some leftovers today. And uh, I think I'm 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 good with that uh, How about how my Thanksgiving went. So I needed yeah. kind of the time away because I'm uh, uh, as you you two know, and maybe some of the listeners due to I'm, I'm writing a dissertation right now. So I kind of, uh, I kind of uh, become reclusive for, from the outside world for days on end. Um, or at least like physically, you know, I'll talk to people like you guys on Twitter every day, but mm-hmm. no one will see yeah. me for days on end. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm well, writing. Anybody, anybody who was thinking about doing a wellness check on fan, it's all right. We got him out. We'll have him hold up a newspaper to prove that it's him, that he's uh, alive. But, uh, yeah, it was. We had uh, family up as well. My fiance's family came up earlier in the week. Then we had like one night of downtime, and then my mom came up, and it's just draining playing host. Like it's nice and everything, but when they roll in and you cook, which is fine, and then they're like, "Oh, let me help do the dishes." I'm like, "Whatever system you have for your dishes at home, that's not the system here, and I don't even want you messing with it." So it's just it's sort of frustrating like oh it's great having you here but please go home as soon as possible but it was nice to see everybody so see i'm the opposite if someone's like oh if my parents are like oh do your dishes like yes please do it i don't want to do it be my well, guest she, she was just like i'm gonna just start putting stuff away like wherever oh, i'm like yeah, uk agent what are you doing I'm like just let it air dry <laughs> just leave it this yeah. is not nom there are rules <laughs> that's exactly i was like you know and of course i was like oh thanks mom I'm like desperately grabbing things to put it back. I'm like, oh, you know, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, You know who else who had a happy Thanksgiving, I would hope, because he knew he was going to get signed by the Milwaukee Bucks is DeMarcus Cousins. That's going to be our transition away from turkey talk into Bucks talk. Uh, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is officially here in Milwaukee. Uh, I came across the line earlier Sunday afternoon from Woj and Shams about uh, it's a non-guaranteed deal. I know, Van, you did some... uh, 
calculations on the luxury tax, which we'll talk about, but a couple of the raw information, it takes up the 15th roster spot for the Bucks, so there are no more free spots right now. Um, it is a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, he is currently 31 years old, and per Google, he stands at six foot 10, 270 pounds. I would have figured he's a little taller than that, but he does look all 270 pounds for sure. Um, he recently, I think he tore his ACL prior to the 2020-2021 season. Um, so he had a bit of a delay before he started for Houston, got traded or ended up with the Clippers, um, played 16 games there in the regular season, seven in the playoffs, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and the final other thing is we don't know what the Brooke Lopez situation is. We haven't gotten any other updates on that. So uh, you can read into that what you will with the Blue Yee, uh signing. But let's start with you, Van. If you want to talk a little bit, just to set the stage about the contract dollars, and then you can take the conversation wherever you want. Sure. Um, now, I haven't seen anything reported about what his his salary is going to be. Uh, we know it's just a non-guaranteed. And although I don't think I've seen this reported, I'm sure it's for the veterans minimum. Now, um, the veterans minimum, I think, is like $1.6 million this year. Uh, but it's not likely what he's guaranteed. He's probably guaranteed, like, I, I don't know. It, I, I would guess it's half of that. But uh, if he is going to stick on the roster the rest of the season, it does have uh, some some interesting luxury tax uh, uh, issues that present themselves. Uh, right now, the Bucks are paying uh, about $41 million in luxury tax. And... Even if they sign Boogie, uh, well, they, they are signing Boogie, even if he's only guaranteed, let's say, half of the veterans minimum. That's about uh, 860 grand or something like that. Uh, that's going to push their uh, tax payment up like almost $3 million uh, because right now they're paying $3.25 on every dollar they spend. Uh, that's the tax penalty. Uh, and if he were to stick on the roster the rest of the season, or let's say he doesn't and they bring in someone else to fill that spot, um, again, probably on a minimum, like a buyout guy, just a, 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 like a, it would be a prorated part of the minimum salary. Um, that, that contract, uh, Boogie's contract will still be on the books in terms of like the guaranteed portion for luxury tax calculations. And this is important because if they, Right now, they're about $18.5 million above the tax line. Uh, if they get over $20 million, then they're going to be paying $3.75 for every dollar they spend. So they're pretty close to that line of moving into another tax bracket. This probably won't take them there, but this plus another move that they might make later in the season to add salary will. So the tax bill is just getting higher and higher. It's probably going to finish somewhere around 45 million, I would guess. Um, so that's the tax stuff. Otherwise, I just, you know, I was just thinking if they were going to sign a big man, um, to me, that would, I was thinking a few weeks ago, if they do that, it's probably, it probably means that they're not, uh, they might not be super confident in Brooke Lopez's back uh, or his uh, return timetable, which, you know, I think he's probably pretty close based on that interview. He, you know, it's probably coming back in the next few weeks, but, um, I mean, if they're signing someone else, uh, it, it raises that into question, doesn't it now? 
It does. It kind of feels like there are two ways to look at the signing, depending on if you're an eternal optimist or an eternal pessimist. Is the pessimist, which is like, we signed him because we found out that Brooke no longer has a functional back. Or Brooke is going to come back soon anyhow, and they just wanted like additional big man depth to run out there. So uh, Kyle, where, where would you think you fall on that spectrum between uh, outright optimism and never-ending pessimism? I, I lean towards outright optimism just because I think if it was if the Bucks knew it was as bad as they thought, or if they knew it was going to be a longer injury, then maybe they would have signed him sooner. Then I would have been a little bit more concerned because it's like, okay, Brooks not coming back soon. We need to get a big man in right now. I feel like this is more of a you do this for either the postseason or just to take a flyer. Why not? You had a roster spot open, and unless you're going to convert uh, Sandro Mamakulishvili's or Justin Robinson's two-way, then there is you're kind of having the spot that's there. So why not just take a flyer, see what happens, hope for the best? You know, a guy like Demarcus Cousins, he's going to add the toughness. He's going to add an attitude that maybe, not to say that this Bucks team doesn't have, but it always helps to have someone like that. Um, I I feel like the locker room issue or the attitude issues those are mainly i think they're relatively in the past and i mean i can't blame him if he's been stuck on the kings for god knows how long maybe (laughs) you can't really succeed when you're in sacramento so is it really all of his fault i don't think so but i lean towards cautiously optimistic it seems as though milwaukee's just want to have a little bit more front court depth maybe this gives Giannis a chance to rest now and not have him play as much center minutes as he was doing regardless of if Brooke comes back or not so I don't know I'm leaning towards the cautiously optimistic I just wonder what this means for you know the Yorgos uh the Sandros even someone like Shemi Ojale like one of those two like especially Sandros like if his two-way ends up does he just stay with the herd permanently or what happens with him I think that's going to be the question I'm curious about I'm kind of wondering if, uh, you know, well, speaking of the roster spot thing, like, I, I wonder if, you know, he might just be, you know, like he, have, he might have a guarantee date that goes till, let's say, February. Uh, and then, like, he's he's he has to be guaranteed for the full season after that point. Then they can just cut bait and maybe there's a buyout guy they want. Um until then, it's good. I think, yeah, I think it's great that they have another big man on the roster. They could use one as as insurance. But uh, his role on the team is, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Because, one, I don't think he, um, I don't know if he's going to play all that much. Uh, and, two, I don't know if right now, especially with uh, this current stretch of games coming up, they have a pretty easy schedule this month comparatively if they really need him because Bobby Portis has been doing like fantastically uh, since he joined the starting lineup as the starting center. So I don't know if we, I see cousins playing more than like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes every few games. Like you'll probably get a lot of DNPs. I mean, the guy is, he's not that old, but he's kind of like me. He's actually a little younger than me, which when you say he's 31 i was like oh crap <laughs> um i'm i'm just a, I'm, I'm 32 and um but like him uh, i have i have bad knees and i like he he tore his acl more recently and he also tore his achilles a few years ago uh when he was with new orleans i think that was about 
four years ago. So he's not, uh, not only is he no spring chicken, but his legs are more than 31 years old. They're probably, I don't know, he's, he's going to need some knee replacements probably later in life, just like me. I think uh, the way that I look at it is this is just John Heist all over again. He sees Brooke Lopez 33 years old, and he's like, what if we found Brooke Lopez 2.0? And he's like, with DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> uh, I think he can are, shoot it a little bit. Cousins can, can shoot it. I was going to say so in his uh, 16 games with the Clippers last year, he averaged 7.8 points, uh, way more than I would ever have guessed. Splits were 53.7 from the floor, 42% from three on like. I think it was like three attempts a game or something and like 68% from uh, the free throw line with 4.5 rebounds a game. Uh, those kind of tailed off a little bit in the playoffs, but he didn't play that much anyhow. Um, yeah. I don't know what his role is going to be. I think he is a reasonable facsimile, like the busted down version of Brooke Lopez, like pre back injury <laughs> Brooke Lopez for in terms of what in theory he can do, like space the floor a little bit. Be really big. Okay, you can do those things, it seems. So that's good. Uh, the question, and I it's already... all they need seen, right now. <laughs> it is, and I think part of it is stems from, yes, Bobby Portis is getting a lot of run. Bobby Portis is uh, best served when he's like a small, like a four. You know, let's move him back to that instead of having to draft him into um, starters minutes. I don't know if Boogie's even going to start. That would be, especially not right away, I don't think. But uh, I'd be shocked. <laughs> Yeah, there. I would, would be, be shocked. Hilarious. I feel as though, again, this is more of a let's see if we can get Giannis some rest and not have him play as much minutes as the five as he has been doing. Yeah. I I could see Boogie maybe being a five to ten minute guy, just give Giannis some blow in like the second quarter, and give Giannis and Bobby some blow, have a, still have a big out there in the second quarter kind of thing, and then we don't see him the rest of the game. That's what I could, that's what I feel like is going to happen. Did you say give them some blow? Like, is that a drug reference or something? I, no, I don't know. No, like, a... don't they normally say that? <laughs> I've not heard that. When I hear give some blow, I think of some other stuff. But this is a family <laughs> podcast. That is. That's that is what this is. I think uh, if we can get back on track, gentlemen. Uh, the, the, uh, oh, geez. No, it's so the thing about DeMarcus Cousins in his current state is I have to fully admit, I haven't watched a minute of DeMarcus Cousins basketball in maybe five years. It's been a very, unless he like played against the Bucks and I'm just forgetting, uh, which is possible, but he I've hasn't played that people, much. <laughs> that's exactly it. So I've yeah. seen like in five years, he like, hasn't played much. He can, oh, maybe he'll like do like the zone drop or whatever, which I think is in theory, I can understand you're like, oh, he's like big, so stand down there. I can understand why people would think that. How often do people lament that Brooke Lopez is getting, quote, too slow to execute the zone drop and be able to like show out or know when to like attack a, you know, a driving uh, offensive player? I would be very cautious to have any sort of expectations of DeMarcus Cousins, especially because he's coming into a new system, kind of getting th- thrown in midseason. Uh, have very low expectations, and if he looks anything better than like outright bad, I would consider it a huge win of a signing for the Bucks. <laughs> is kind of where I'm at with this. I think it's a good signing. I'm happy they they did it. Um, I was mostly just thinking the whole time when people would ask her, you know, oh, should they sign another big? It's like, okay, yeah, you sign another big, but one, you can't like the, the ideal thing would be to sign someone like a ten day contract or two, but they can't do that. Uh, until I think it's like sometime in January you can sign the 10-day contracts so it was the the 
what I was thinking is, okay, you sign someone in that 15th roster spot, but who is worth spending what's essentially, you know, you're you're paying him this much, but you're paying a few times that in tax. A lot of the, I remember we were, we, we, a bunch of us were discussing the, the free agent big options a few weeks ago. And it, Bismack Biombo, Bismack (laughs) Biombo was pretty much the guy. He was at the lead of the pack or other guys I'd never heard of. Harry Giles was the name that people kept throwing. I was like, why would he take, no, no. Bismack Biombo is only like six, eight. I mean, he's, he's, he's beefy, but. I mean, he's he had those crazy rebounding years in Charlotte or whatever, or like mm-hmm. Toronto. And he, he's like, numbers. that is, right. uh, that was the summer of 2016. Everybody got those contracts. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's an interesting move. Uh, I think people who are clamoring for some big man depth, hopefully that addresses that. Uh, I think it's good to get more rest. I just have extremely low expectations. I do have to ask though, proverbial gun to your head right now sight unseen demarcus cousins or semi old for the rest of the season who's staying on the roster semi i will pick semi <laughs> i was gonna say cousins just because <laughs> i don't know about i don't know i i wanted to believe in old but ugh, i don't know i don't it, believe in old <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't 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 misread man on this he's not a believer I but yeah, I don't want you guys to think that like that. I think Ojale is like going to be. I mean, who knows? Maybe he will. Maybe he, he comes back and it's like, oh, this is the guy we signed. Uh, but of course, like, I I don't. I, I just like what Ojale theoretically brings to this team. Like, mm-hmm. he hasn't brought that in in practice yet, but uh, uh, like it in in real life. Um, but maybe he can. Whereas. I think Cousins just uh, when the whole roster is healthy is a bit superfluous. That's yeah, why. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a believer yeah. in Samuel. That's fair. <laughs> I, I just I think as though if I'm just looking at the competition ahead, and yes, Brook Lopez and Bobby being ahead, but being a third big, not a bad thing. When Jordan Wara and Rodney Hood are ahead of you and that's even Thanasis probably it's just there's too many guys that I see that could potentially just get more minutes to see and and I mean with that I'm assuming he got a veteran minimum type of deal anyway so they might just cut bait with that as well but it's probably more guaranteed so I don't it know. It might not even, yeah, it might not, this might not even be a question. We don't know when no. the guarantee date is, I, but. Right. I do wonder if the team's hands were forced too, because if Semi or Shemi is going to be out for a couple weeks too, they're like, well, now we're like really, really low. Not that Chevy was like an ideal big man def, but he was like a big guy that you could throw out there. So like, well, we should probably have like an actual big guy. So I wonder, there's probably a lot of different swirling things going on. Uh, I would not read into it to say that Brooke Lopez has like had a setback. That would be out of character with what he said literally a week and a half ago. So fingers crossed that everything's cool. So, all right. Any final DeMarcus Cousins thoughts? Are we about good for the moment? You know, I, I said the Bucks should trade for him three years ago. So I was three years too late. But Carstradamus. Carstradamus strikes again. <laughs> Granted, I said they should trade Thon. I think that, I think I mentioned like trading Thon Maker for him. And like, even though Jason Kidd is a coach, like it could work. So that's how bad everything was. Back I saw in the that day. you said you said Fon and Jamari Parker. Yeah, yeah. which oh, hell, that would have been a. I mean, in hindsight, awesome trade. Yeah. Uh, I, I think no winners in that trade. <laughs> no, um, I think that uh, I, th- I think maybe a better question for you to have just asked Riley about, like you know, gun to your head, is maybe maybe this is a hot, a little spicy take, but. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins for the rest of the season or Rodney Hood. 
um, I, I think Rodney Hood is to me, uh, I mean, I, I, again, he's a guy who I like what brings what he brings in theory, but he's not doing that. And the things he's good, the thing he was good at, like shooting threes, uh, the Bucks have, you know, Pat Conton, Grayson Allen, who are like so- suddenly some of the best volume three point shooters in the league. Like what is mm-hmm. Rodney Hood bringing in this team uh, other than right now, just like a warm body because they have uh, depletion on the wing, like with Dante still out and now Shemi Ojale out. So maybe that's the guy you want to cut bait with if you want to keep uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Let's we don't it's not that spicy of a take because we're talking about <laughs> Rodney Hood in the rotation. So this only me, oh it's so a high. Spicy take. It's a very spicy take for me. <laughs> I think uh, I would probably choose DeMarcus. The way that I would look at it is DeMarcus is like as busted down as Rodney Hood, but he's taller and bigger. So I'm like, well, yes. those would be helpful to have in theory. Whereas, yes, you're correct that Rodney Hood is also a little uh Oh, you know, it's just extra. He's extraneous to the roster. Though I did see him throw a dribble move on the Pacers today, and I was like, oh, I didn't know Rodney still had... It's not that Rodney isn't trying. It's just he can't... He has no lift at all. Like, zero lift whatsoever. I, I was sad. impressed. He made the last couple days... This is not really related to Boogie, but he made his first... He, he doubled his, uh, his amount of two-point field goals made in one game. He went from two to four. Good for him. <laughs> Yeah, good for him. <laughs> uh, he, had well, a, he had a field goal percentage lower than his three point percentage. You don't see that very much. So, yeah. Well, that's but he both were role. <laughs> he, know, <laughs> he knows. He knows really role. bad. He's not good at his role, but he knows his role, and that's that's what we're about here in Milwaukee. Demarcus Cousins, Milwaukee Buck, welcome. We will love to have you for the next two months before we kick you to the curb. Uh, that, the game... that, sorry, that that tweet from Giannis, that joke. That's. Uh... The dad jokes are oh, yeah. back. We're, we're... Does anybody want to? I wonder. Do you think Demarcus read that positively, or he's like, "I can't believe what I just saw." I hope he for. didn't read it. <laughs> oh no, he's Demarcus cousin already tweeted it. Oh, oh no, he, he retweeted. Did he retweet it? No, he quote like, uh... tweeted it with just. I think it had a dear. Lo- I think it just had a dear logo. I got okay. Find it. All right, all right. We're we're good then. <laughs> I hope so. Otherwise, we're gonna have maybe those first. We'll have like a Andre Drummond, um, Joel Embiid esque like greeting <laughs> video or. It's like I love you. Yeah, uh, it's just someone. It's an emoji of someone dancing and a deer emoji, and that's oh, okay. that's that's the tweet. Marcus Cousins, like eight years ago, I wouldn't. Have <laughs> no, that. he would not. Have he wouldn't have had that. Have tolerated. Nope. All right. Well, in addition to signing Demarcus Cousins, the Bucks played a whole bunch of games this week. Uh, we're going to forego talking about every single individual game because let's be honest they were against two really bad teams one team without the superstar and a mediocre team but just to run through the results real quick and then we'll kind of do a general discussion of the week that was uh the bucks started the week beating the magic 123 92 they would go on to beat the pacers 114 93 they beat the nuggets post thanksgiving black friday special 120 109 uh no Jokic for that game uh, and then they beat the Pacers, obviously, Sunday night, 118-100. Uh, Kyle, I will go to you first. Any particular game that stood out to you? Any observations, um, particular players? Anything about those games that you would like to start discussing? I guess the one that stood out to me, I didn't watch the Nuggets game, so I'll be, and I will admit that first and foremost. So I thought going into that week, the Bucks were going to lose because I was thinking, Black Friday, you just had this big Thanksgiving meal. You're on the road playing in Denver. They've always had issues playing in Denver. 
I didn't know Jokic was going to be out, so that made things a lot easier. But I would say the Pacers game was the most notable just because Milwaukee looked like the Bucks of the past few years where you knew the result was always going to be a win no matter what. The Pacers could get a couple threes and the Bucks would rattle off, you know, 10 straight points. The Pacers would get like three points, Bucks would rattle off seven. It was just consistently that over and over. And they had Sabonis and Turner. They both just struggled badly, <laughs> just made them look terrible. So those two things, and then Brogdon, once again, not showing up against the team with a hairstyle that, you know what? Yeah, it wasn't, if you it wasn't good. That, if you want to roll that good. look, Brogdon, you do that. Um, with that mustache, I don't know. Yeah. Questionable I, I, choices. It, it's it's been he he was uh, I I almost wonder if like the the Bucks were are like you know the Yankees in baseball where like the Stein, Steinbrenner was always like had the strict no facial hair like Mattingly I told you to save those sideburns kind of thing and immediately <laughs> Brogdon goes to Indy and he grows this just terrible goatee and like <laughs> like who, who is telling him who is keeping him from doing that in in Milwaukee whoever that is they uh, they should get raised. Yeah, his know, his yeah, main so. advisor who advised him to get out of Milwaukee and take the bag in Indiana, good move. <laughs> Everything else from there has been downhill for sure. <laughs> Questionable decisions, but you know, the, just the fact that they had Sabonis and Turner, I think they were like two of twelve from the floor. Or something. Yeah, they like, scored was... collectively. They scored scored six points. That's it between those two big men. That is Sabonis didn't radical. have a field goal. He didn't have a field goal until the second half. He had no yeah. points. I don't think at half either. Yeah, I think he had a point on a free throw or something. But it was just like it was just that w- stood out to me just because especially in the third quarter when the Bucks scored 39 points, it was that old Bucks where was, the game might have been closed for a minute and then you snap your fingers and you blink and the Bucks are suddenly up 15 and they're draining threes and everyone seems to be getting baskets at will. So that was the game I guess that stood out the most to me and they were doing this while Early on, Giannis was it was Giannis attacking them early, and Giannis getting in a rhythm early, and then later on, it was kind of a okay. Now we're gonna have Chris get some buckets. Now we're gonna have Drew get some buckets, especially, and then you know Pat Connaughton, of course, chipping in with some threes. George Hill had a really good game. It was just everyone played a part. Everyone chipped in at different points, but it was it just was a complete win against a team that's not terrible. Granted, the Pacers are very much average and mediocre and you kind of look at it and you're thinking, uh, yeah, maybe they'll make a play in game, but that's what you're supposed to do. And I think especially on the road, I know a couple of years ago they had the Bucks had a stinker of a game. So just them going out. I was at that game. I was there. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, yeah, I think that was a game that stood out to me the most out of these four, just because it was against a team that had at full strength, you would expect to see this team potentially in the playoffs. I was kind of uh, I, I I was thinking something similar to what you were, Kyle. Like I I sometimes look at these games, uh, just how the Bucks are beating teams, and I I sort of I I'll sometimes say like oh that was a that was a, a vintage Bucks Bucks win. Like uh, and when I say vintage, I'm talking about like uh, you know early twenty like early 2019 like the first year year and a half under bud like uh, in the second year of bud before the shutdown when they were just steamrolling teams they weren't really doing it with three-point shooting like they may have done last year they were just destroying teams in the paint which they did tonight it was i think 62 36 was the was the final points in the paint 
edge for, in favor of the Bucks, and you know they were just slicing through that like the 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 lane the Indiana lane just easily like they were cutting they were cutting like a hot knife through butter and uh, so offensively yeah it, it's like they're they they weren't shooting well from three I think they shot like twenty two twenty three percent or something like that but they could get anything they wanted at, in the restricted area so that's one thing like that the Bucks always were doing those first couple years but. One thing they that they've been doing a lot lately, which really stuck out to me in this game, uh, is their defense because they're not running a drop zone that much. Uh, they have been for the last several games they've been using zone a lot, and tonight I think I think I saw them. I, I don't know if I saw them any possession not really doing a at least a man zone. Often they were doing a two three zone too, and uh, it was really good especially after the the second quarter like indy i i know in the first quarter they were six of 14 from deep and the rest of the game they were six for 31 um and i noticed like not not just the stats but the eye test like there were the, the bucks were doing a great job at closing out on open shooters especially in the corners um indy was moving the ball pretty well i thought around the perimeter but uh every every buck was rotating and uh I don't recall too many open shots going up at any point. So uh, the defense, this this new look on defense, which I, you wonder how much it has to do with Brooke Lopez not playing um, and Bobby being in there. But Bobby ran the drop zone plenty of times last year. Um, but also, I thought uh, we can talk about this. Bobby had an awesome defensive game tonight. He 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 stole Sabonis' lunch money a few times, and. You don't expect that from Bobby Portis. No, I think it probably is driven a lot by Bobby, which is understandable. Uh, and it's good that we know that he's able to do the zone drop, but we also know deep in our hearts that he's, <laughs> he's not perfect at it. Uh, he tries, and he did very well at times in the playoffs, but that's just not his like main skill set. So when you need to, and you don't have like a traditional backup big to pull off the bench to like run a zone drop, you're like, Giannis isn't good at it, all that good at it. Uh, Bobby isn't all that good at it. just adjust it. And I think what you just said right there, Van, is uh, obviously proof that they're adjusting to it. And I think uh, Bobby these past couple weeks has had, like, he's been on a tear. Like, he's scoring killing a ton. It. He's his, his, it. his touch on offense is amazing. He's bodying dudes out of the way. Like, Miles Turner and Sabonis, not only defensively, but offensively, owning the boards, getting right back up. There was a couple of times where, like, he goes up through Miles Turner and does, like, a huge scream in his face with the flex. I'm like, of course Uh, he's been excellent. And that's helped pace the team a lot. Uh, Yeah. Last four games uh, prior to this one, I haven't done the, he was one for three tonight from deep, but previous four games, 20.5 points, 57.1 from the field, uh, 12 rebounds, 12.3 rebounds a game, 68% from deep, 68%. He's been killing it. And that seems low, honestly. Like, I thought it would be higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he, be- he's been he's been excellent. I don't know what else to really say about it. And, like, the, the question is not that if Brook Lopez is back, like, do you move Bobby to the bench? Of course, I think Bobby I've seen people asking that. I've heard people asking that, and I'm like, okay, like, 
Hold on a second. <laughs> the, the, the positive proof is not that Bobby is like, he's doing this just because he's a starter. I mean, it's really good that he's able to thrive with the other guys, but he was mm-hmm. already filling it up last year. So I'm not concerned at all about that no. being like, no. we know, we know much more intelligently now how to mix him in within rotations. Um, and Boonholzer is not like afraid to give Brooke Lopez some time on the bench. If he's like, Oh, we'll just run Bobby out there for a while. Like, I think everybody's on board with it. I wouldn't worry about that, that you need to have Bobby starting. It's just well, Brooke Lopez. Yeah, go for it, Kyle. I was just going to say, if anything, this kind of makes me feel better that you can have Bobby Bobby in a closing lineup where you don't mm-hmm. need to have Brooke. And I think last year there were some questions because it's like, okay, we know on the offensive end this is going to help, but how much defensively could this hurt Milwaukee? And now we kind of have a feeling like you can probably keep him out there for a closing lineup, and it, it's not going to hurt you. And I think that's really the big thing that stood out to me. I still think when Brooke is healthy and ready to go, he should he should start. That's nothing against Bobby. I just think it makes the most sense, and it gives Bobby more of a chance to be the featured point, which would all, which would only help him. And if he's going to continue playing as well as he has, I mean, I don't see why not. Why why just keep giving the confident player more confidence and more of the ball? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, go for it, Ben. Oh, you got more. Bobby no, time. I was I was. Uh, oh well. I I don't have a good segue. I was just going to say like let's <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about George Hill or let's let's talk about Drew Holiday. I I yeah. was going to try to be more graceful about it, but I guess that's why I'm not a regular podcast host. No, we um, everybody <laughs> begins that way. We just totally left turn it. So go for it, George Hill. Uh, it, now for something things. completely different, George Hill. Um, no, you mentioned you mentioned earlier that George Hill had a nice game and he did have a really nice game, but mm-hmm. I was noting that. Okay, some people may have noticed, like in box scores, George Hill is often like the team leader in plus minus, like every night. And uh, like for example, on Monday against the the Magic, he was plus thirty two. Like that's that's nuts. I think he only played like uh, like twenty. He played nineteen minutes in that game, and you're plus thirty two. I know it's the I know it's the Magic, but still, that's that's pretty sensational. And it's it's weird because you you don't look ever at his line. He's like he's averaging I think about seven or eight points. He's shooting he's shooting the ball pretty well lately. I mean he's he's still good, but why I I always I always look at that as like well why is he why why are they playing so well when he's on the court if it's not necessarily individual stats that he's putting up? I saw I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. But I there was a sequence tonight in the third quarter where he got an offensive rebound uh, among the the Pacers' big men down low. And um, then he had a really slick uh, bounce kick out to, I think it was Grayson Allen in the corner who shot a three. And it's like, oh, when he's doing stuff like that, like he's making those kinds of plays, like passes and doing that work on the boards, then it's pretty obvious. But I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? I think one of the things that helps is he knew the system already. And I think he's just mm-hmm. someone that as he's gotten older, he doesn't need to be. Cause I think the problem was in the past when in his last time with Milwaukee, he needed to be that guy. He needed to be the guard because your other option was Eric Bledsoe. And if Bledsoe was struggling, then it kind of maybe felt like George Hill had to take on more of that role. While this go around, you have Drew Holiday, you have Grayson Allen, you have Pat Connaughton, you have other guys that can kind of take that on, and it just forces and it takes more off of him to feel like he has to make plays and just let him be more of a natural 
if I can get some baskets, cool. If I can get some, you know, layups, great. If I get some shots open, I can at least be more of a, just more of a guard than kind of having to be the lead guard, having to want to initiate the offense. He can do a little bit more off the ball. So I think that might be why it's just, Maybe he just realized I don't have to, you know, be the best guard on this team anymore, which is pretty freaking I don't nice. have to bail out Eric Bledsoe as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like I don't have to be the guy to, like, do all these things because the starter is completely crapping himself. Like, maybe that's what <laughs> – it, it could be as simple as that. Yeah, I, I'd be curious about who he's playing alongside as well. But I think part of it as well, we've had to push some of the starters hit or miss depending on if they're available. But some of them have played, like, decent chunks of minutes with George Hill out there. Drew's not playing. Uh, I think his defense has been super solid. It seems, I think his length was always an asset on defense. And if you're going to go plus minus that you have to tackle, especially against some of the teams where they have like a young primary ball handler, where it's like, Oh, we're just going to run the offense through this guy. And like, you know, George Hill is going to end up getting a lot of those assignments if he's coming off the bench or like for a couple minutes. I think his length on defense, his control and how crafty he is goes a long way. And then like Kyle was saying, he can play more in control, not only because he knows the system, um, but like he's probably getting the directive. Like, and you've seen it from a lot of the guys like Drew, Chris, Giannis, they're getting a lot of these other dudes involved. And it seems purposefully where it's like, Oh, this is a possession where Giannis is in pretty decent position. He's got the ball. And instead of like doing a Giannis thing, he'll be like, Oh, I'll just try and do something to get Rodney hood the ball. I think there's a directive where it's like, George, you don't have to take on a huge load. You don't have to like do a lot of the attacking let other guys, you set the table for the other guys. And he's always been really good at that. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't really, like you said, Van, like you look at a game like tonight, he has obvious highlights. Oh, he was in there. He was grabbed an offensive rebound or he like had a really crafty move to like score at the basket. Those are all like good George Hill things, but what it is about him that's getting these excellent plus minus numbers. He's just a good player. And uh, <laughs> maybe... Good know. things happen when he's on the court. It's good. And it being good. on the court he... when you're playing bums helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I can't remember. He was in the starting lineup for quite a bit, like, especially when, when Drew Holiday was 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 hurt. And I don't remember if he was putting up these kinds of plus minus totals as a starter. Um, and uh, I, I mean, he's playing a lot alongside. I don't think he's probably been out there at all uh, with without any like starter out there i mean yeah unless maybe we were he's... like really decimated for one game or something but yeah sure. it's, it's not common yeah i think so that so obviously you know people will look good playing next to especially Giannis this year um but uh, it, i think he's i mean he's playing probably a lot with pat Connaughton, who's been amazing this year and 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 uh uh, uh grace allen uh i don't know why i didn't place his name for a minute there must be that must be that Duke game from a few years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, but he's he's probably getting a lot of those minutes with with starting talent uh, throughout. Like the, we haven't seen Bud do that like line change, whole bench lineup, or he would sometimes do with. I remember he used to do this a lot with Malcolm Brogdon. He'd have Malcolm Brogdon as the only, only starter, and it'd be four bench players in there back when the Bucks bench was not this good. I haven't seen Bud doing that this year at all because they, you know, they've, they've had injuries. Yeah. 
I was going to say, when George Hill pretty much was the starter due to injuries, that was the fourth game of the season, and that started against the Pacers. He was a minus two. But after that, he only had two games as a starter where he had a minus in a plus minus. One of those was against the Spurs, in which they lost, and the other one was the Knicks loss when it was like that Friday night game. Otherwise, he's been positive or he had one game with zero, but he had a plus 25 against the Pistons one time. He had a plus 16 against the Sixers, plus 20 against the win at New York. So he did pretty well. Yeah, he still did pretty well, even as a starter. Like I said, only two games where he was in the minus after that first one against the Pacers. So and since then, he other than the Oklahoma City Thunder, where he was minus 10. He's been plus 23, plus 19, plus 32, plus 13, plus 13 in the six and these six in this winning streak. So, yeah. And I don't feel like in any of those games when he was in the starting lineup, he was putting up really great statistical lineups or statistical uh, line scores. And he was getting a lot of minutes there for a while. He was playing, I mean, he played 29 minutes tonight, but like he was playing regularly around that as a starter, like into the 30s. And, that, you know, kind of concerns you a little bit for a, he's 35, I believe. Um, not that he's had major injury issues, but he's someone you, you you probably want like fresh as the season concludes, especially in the postseason. Um, considering, yeah, I don't know. We, I don't know what we think about what we think drew holiday is going to be in this year's postseason, but um I guess we can talk about that next because <laughs> I have some things yeah. to say. <laughs> my my final George Hill take is so far, and this is radical, seems like he's been an upgrade over Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague, mm. NBA big, champion. Big if true. Big, and I NBA, NBA, Very NBA tonight. <laughs> NBA champion Jeff Teague, number one in my heart always, but... Let's be fair, George Hill has been slightly better than Jeff Teague so far in his stints. His All I'm saying is Jeff Teague had one game where he was on fire, and that he was game six. He had some good games in the postseason. Yeah, game six, yeah. He had a, he had a great game six. And you yeah. know what? I would still say, yes, George Hill is having a much better time in Milwaukee this go-around. So good to have George Hill. A uh, on the group project. <laughs> my, uh, my only takes really from this week um, – one, the Magic starters scored 28 points against the Bucks. Uh, not good for them. They're, I mean, they're a brutal team to watch. Jalen Suggs is awful. That guy sucks. Uh, <laughs> they, I know he's young, but not good uh, early on. Uh, the thing that was very consistent throughout this week, Pacers game, Magic game, I also didn't watch the Nuggets game, so I can't say. But um, against the other three teams, and throughout the season, the whole going to Giannis in the post thing, seems like the team has been a lot more purposeful uh, to it this season. I don't know if that's like by design, um, but like there have been times in the past where Giannis would fight for like position and then it'd be like, well, whoever has the ball is not a competent entry passer. So I'd rather just like swing it around and tonight against the Pacers, the Pacers threw undersized doubles at Giannis a lot. And yet over and over again, they would either get like a switch and Drew would recognize and just try to work it to somebody else to try and enter it into Giannis um i just think that's interesting that we're doing more purposeful offense through him uh, to try and get him the ball even if it's just a decoy to draw the defense around uh they've done it really well this past couple weeks so good on them for that uh, i'm trying to think what other i'm just surprised other... they're able to make entry entry passes to the post this year 
Well, I don't know if it was in the past. It was just by design or people felt uncomfortable doing it or what the situation was. I'm assuming it was by design, but now that they're doing it and like successfully, it's just think of like all the times Chris would do like the really looping over the top. Like, or like there was that epidemic last season where it was just constant like mispasses when they were trying to do like either a fast break or whatever. Was that last season? They had like a whole bunch of times where it was like, they would sky at way forward. Eh, maybe I'm forgetting. I was watching. It could have been last year. It could have been the year before. It's. It could have been either. I guess I haven't seen that at all this year. Now that you think about it, like, like just those. When was the last time they had like a real like kind of passes? Yeah, I mean they've had some bad fast break opportunities. I think it was like last week. I'm trying to think of non garbage time though. I feel like non garbage time has been fine. Yeah, they, I think. Giannis is obviously excellent. I'm glad that they're going to him more in the post. As much as I love his three-pointers, uh, I want more and more opportunities for him to try and figure out defenses. Tonight against the Pacers, they threw the doubles. He seemed to figure it out pretty quickly. Like, I have to either make a move right away or these guys are both a foot taller or a foot shorter than I am. I'll just wait and then kick it out to whoever. So uh, good on you, Giannis. And obviously he's pinning up insane statistical numbers. Yeah, he's like the last three games, 10 of 15, 10 of 13, 12 of 17. I think what you're saying about, you know, the the force, the more forceful feeding, feeding into the post, the entry passes, uh, a lot to do with some of the personnel they've been facing lately, um, especially like Denver without, I, I mean, I watched that, I watched the Denver game and he was, uh, he was totally sensational in that, uh, with the exception of his, his free throw shooting. Um, but there was just no one who could stop Denver or who could stop him on Denver. And that was the same thing against uh, even the Lakers a couple weeks ago. I mean, when there's, I mean, we haven't seen, I don't think we've seen anybody yet this year, any big man who can do much of anything in this currently realized form of Giannis um, with me, meaning like what Giannis now knows about, uh, breaking down an interior defense. And like you said, Riley, like how quickly he has to react and what specific uh, counters he needs to use uh, in order to get to the hoop. Um, There's been no one who can stop that this year. And in previous years, you know, we saw it from time to time. But I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of interesting just because with Giannis, it's always been a what's that next skill that you can develop? And this year it has been the passing and Mm -hmm. especially in the Indiana game, every time they brought a double Giannis is able to pick out the right pass. And I feel as though in the, before he would struggle with it or maybe not make the best pass or the pass wouldn't be as clean. And this year it's okay. They're throwing a double. He can just throw it out to whoever and it's going to work out perfectly fine. I think that's been, the big step. And I think as the season's gone along, he's gotten more comfortable playing at the five and been more of that, you know, rim protector as opposed to being that free safety help kind of guy. So I think that has helped as well. I, I don't know what else to say. There hasn't been a team that has really slowed him down. And I, I would say Giannis's worst game was probably the one in Atlanta where he was nine to 21. And that was just more bunnies just weren't falling half the time. So otherwise, I don't know. He's Clint great. Capella might be the best rim protector they've faced this year. Uh, Probably. Like, it, it's they, just one of those where... didn't you, play. Are you disrespecting your number one Indiana Pacer, Miles Turner, right now? Take that back, <laughs> man. What are you doing right now? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I was doing some ruminating on Miles Turner lately, but... 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if we want to get into that's like a, a down the road problem because him and him and uh, Brooke Lopez are free agents at the same time. I just I don't know. He's oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all I'll say is that like dude is faster than like he's he's got quicker feet. And he's more athletic than Brooke Lopez. Why can't he run the drop zone? I, I mean, I, I get the appeal of Miles Turner, but I've never been really sold on Miles Turner. I, I saw get the that. appeal. I see what's there. I understand it, but I'm just not buying it. I saw a grown man suit up and start an NBA game and score two points tonight. That's all I need to know about Miles Turner. Oh, I'm a one sample size kind of guy. Okay, he one dropped, game sample size. He dropped forty in a game earlier this year, and I think the next game he had like I don't know six, maybe. <laughs> yeah, up and down for Miles Turner. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other, I I think my final point or final thought on Giannis, uh, yes, the passing has been good this year. I do not miss him having to do like the three quarter courts or pass like across his body flying because he is literally the only creator on the team. I think it is Mm. good to have Drew and Chris back Um, as much as like those flashy passes are nice. uh, I don't want him having to like do too much calculus all at the same time. It's probably good practice, but if we, return to a system where it's like, oh, these are relatively simple passes. Uh, I'd prefer that even if they're less like cool than Giannis doing like a dribbling between or throwing between like three guys' legs to get to like racing on the corner or whatever. Or like he those ones where he's, you know, he's going down the court in in transition and the whole defense is collapsing on him and then he sort of turns around and throws this wild pass to yeah, someone his whole body who, has to, <laughs> who has to like jump like three feet in the air to catch it. Um I would much rather him do he's doing this. He's hitting shooters right in their pocket this year, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So I'll take that every time. Do you guys feel that this is unrelated to any of the games? Do you guys feel the Steph Curry for MVP just because people want to, I mean, obviously he's having a good season. Do you think people are going to want to give it to him as a final like salute? I think right now they're going to want to give it to him because he's legitimately like, I mean, he's the, the Warriors are what they're 17 and two now. Or something like that. Yeah, there's like, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I mean, and he's the best player on that team, and he's having a outstanding season. He's shooting, I think, 41% on, like, something like like 11 or 13 threes a game. Like, wh- wh- Those I are mean, Grayson Allen numbers right there. That's what oh, those yeah, are. I mean. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I, I, I can't complain about it. I don't think – and, I mean, there are probably some people who want to do it as, like, that sort of kind of lifetime achievement thing. But – uh, I think it's well justified. It's well earned at this point. If the Warriors keep this up, I won't be mad if he wins the MVP. Um, right now, I would be mad if uh, Giannis did not finish like in the top three of MVP voting right now, though. Yeah, I can't really think of anyone that besides Steph Curry that's having that would have as much of an impact as Giannis. I could see, and keyword to see, I could maybe see someone giving Chris Paul that more lifetime achievement. If the Suns continue playing as hot as they have, that's the only person I can see right now besides Steph that could maybe get some MVP votes ahead of Giannis. But, yeah, I mean, Steph's having a fantastic year. I, I cannot argue with it or be begrudge it too much. Okay. It's just like stirring the pot. That's all. Good for you, <laughs> Steph Curry. I'm happy for your next MVP award. There's a lot of season left. Uh, okay. Any final thoughts on the games or are we about wrapped up on this? I was going to say about uh, Drew Holiday. He, um, let's see. I, I About this time last week, I looked and he was shooting 
46% at the rim. Like, that's pretty bad, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's like Chevy Ocean-like type numbers. Right there. <laughs> uh, that's, 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 that's like abysmally bad. I think he's 61% for his career, and he was at 70% last year. Very good. Um, and this week, he still had some trouble at the rim. But tonight... Um, Let's see, he was 11 for 21, and there was a brief period, I remember, in the second quarter where within a minute, he missed, like, three uh, three bunnies layups, so he got one blocked, I think. But otherwise, he was his touch around the rim looked a lot better tonight. And um, now he's coming in tonight, and he's shooting... He, he must be over 50%, because he was shooting 50% in the restricted area tonight, um, coming into the game. So uh, that's... Because that's the main thing I'm worried about with Drew Holiday right now. Uh, it seems like a lot of the other aspects of his game are, um, are 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 fine. Like his defense, his court vision, his his uh, um, his his handle has gotten a little better lately. Um, three point shooting will come, but I think the biggest deal was just you know getting him right at the rim. So he's taken some steps in the right direction the last few games. I'm not too concerned yet with his up. It was funny because everyone's saying, oh, Drew is having a terrible offensive year and then turns around and has like three great games in a row. So mm-hmm. I'm not concerned Over 50% yet. the not, last three games, yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried. I think if his defense were to start slipping, then I would have a lot more concerns. I think with Drew Holiday, while it's nice what he can do offensively, you really have him for what he does defensively. Drew Holiday is good. Uh, I'm not uh, overly concerned about what it's. It's spicy just annoying. Take. Spicy yeah, it's take. Just a, I, here's here's my spicy take. Hey Drew, can you hit your layups, please? Come on, man. Like a lot of them are bunnies. It was infuriating during the like Brooklyn series. Now he kept shooting, but it was like, ugh. Can you please just make a couple of these shots? He gave me too much heartburn for a guy uh, who he signed to like as big of a contract as did. So Drew, my advice to you is. Keep trying and hopefully make some of these. And like he's it, the most important thing is the fact that he gets to this position and they are bunnies. Like the fact that he blows them kind of sucks, but he's still excellent on ball navigating it, like going through a defense or even like moving off ball well enough to get like an easy cut or whatever. He's been all that is still there. So it's literally just a matter of getting the ball to drop. And I don't know how you necessarily fix that, but all of the principles of what he's doing is like super solid. So there's no concern there. It's just the ball has to like fall in the hoop eventually. So I think it'll get there, but it is frustrating. I think the three point shooting will come too. I mean, he, I remember that I was at the Boston game a few weeks ago in Boston and he was like one for 12 that night. I just, um, at some point, like he's, he shot like around 39, 40% last year. Uh, that was a career high and he's more like a 34% for his career guy, I think. Um, but at some point he'll start to shoot the three a little bit better too. I think, I don't think he's going to stay in the low thirties all year. Yeah, that was the other, <laughs> it's just the thing with Drew is like his, his, average is so excellent that when he goes through these stretches where it's like i go one of ten from three is like please drew i appreciate that you have the confidence to keep shooting but can you just give it to somebody else for now please for one of these shots but hey you know what he's got to work through it so yeah. more power to him and we're winning we're creaming teams and this like you said this next month is a lot of not so good teams so hopefully he'll be able to continue to get on track fingers crossed mm-hmm 
Okay. Well, I think that's all our talk for this week on the basketball games. We're going to go right now, take a quick ad break. And on the other side, we will have our various miscellaneous segments. We've got rapid fire, film, fountain pen, and Vans Shuffle. More after the break. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we are back. All right, time for miscellaneous stuff. Kyle, you have the rapid fire this week. Please take it All right. So the first question is a very simple one. What is your favorite type of chocolate? Milk. Dark. I'm I'm definitely a dark with sea salt. That is is good. That is good. It has to have the sea salt. But I don't add a whole bunch. I'm not a sea salt fan. A lot of companies overdo it in my experience with the sea salts. Um, I don't add a whole bunch to my chocolate. Just give me straight dark chocolate. I'm cool. Or like a minty something is fine, but nothing too crazy. That's fair. A, you have a dark soul. Dark soul. <laughs> That's obvious. Yeah. So the next one is, Are did either of you go Black Friday shopping or do you have any plans of doing Cyber Monday? Are you guys valid? Hell no. Do you care about that? All right. <laughs> Uh, I did neither. I was really unimpressed by some of the Black Friday deals I was getting in my email inbox. I was like, I might as well stay home. Like you're you're demanding I stay home. So nothing was all that compelling. And like outside of some like power tools I needed for the house, there's not exactly much that I need to purchase. So I forwent both Black Friday and I anticipate the same for Cyber Monday. Yeah, I now that they've taken away the rush of not charging it at 5 a.m., I don't see the appeal of Black Friday shopping anymore. Like, I don't know. That was kind of the fun thing. So, And people are doing it, like, on Thanksgiving evening sometimes. Yeah, too. Like, that's, that's when I was, that's when that I was officially heinous. like, I'm done. That <laughs> is vile. I believe in being the change I want to see in the world, and that's why I don't join in to make those Kohl's employees have to get up at – or just stay up for 48 hours straight to work Black Friday. Amen, so. brother. Let's pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> We are such great people. Screw capitalism. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next one. Um, is there a must-have item that you have to have for school or work at your desk? Uh, a laptop? A computer? <laughs> I, I was thinking more like an accessory, not like, oh. the, import, not like the important <laughs> shit, like the side stuff. We're not talking main dish. We're talking side dish. Okay. Um Jeez, I haven't had like a traditional desk job in like six years, so I don't remember. That's why I also threw school, and I was like, "Well, maybe school. I don't know." <laughs> Even you with school, my, Kyle, you know my answer. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have a fountain pen always at the ready. Uh, if I can't do fountain pens, I like having just a. I have to have a pad of paper. It doesn't have to be like any specific paper. I just write notes the best way that i keep track of things is i'll start like the morning i'll put down okay here are all the things i have to do and just it's just a random mess of notes throughout the day so i always have to have like just a random sheaf of paper sitting around for sure riley you should see i i should i have this here i should you should see this fountain pen i got it was my grandfather's uh it's from so my my 
we're not recording this, this but cool. Riley. No, Riley's no, we are recording. Just, <laughs> I mean, we're recording. We're not recording this visually. Oh, yeah, yeah, Riley's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Riley's face just lit up like like a, a kid on Christmas. Um, it was, but yeah, this is my. So my my family's from uh, my dad's side. Of the family's from Iran, and this summer my aunt and uncle visited from Tehran, and they brought me this 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 little case with a pen. It was like this was your this was your grandfather's pen, fountain pen. So I don't know. I can dig it out for you and show you sometime. Do you have any idea of like the make? Probably not the model, but do you have any idea of the company? I yeah I, I yeah that's like I don't I I I don't know if I can even name one company that makes fountain pens. Like period, we're, we're <laughs> taking this discussion offline. No, but that's that's very cool. Rob Roster, our guy. It, Robert does not make fountain pens, but he Damn might it. make ink that would go in that fountain pen. But I, I'm sure it might be like a Parker. Parker was like really. Oh, I've heard of them. It, yeah, so I don't know. Dirt. It's from it's from you know the Middle East. I like a lot of and yeah. it doesn't appear to be that old. And like, I mean, let's see. My grandfather, let's see, he was born in 27. He was still working like later into his life but you know, after 79 uh definitely any american pens like any imported pens from america were no, not coming to iran yeah, so yeah, i don't yeah. know if uh, parker's an american companies is probably right or i don't yes, know yeah, it but, is, yeah. so it's probably not that unless it's like a real old one that he got back in the years of the monarchy well, Van just went ahead and booked himself for a third podcast because we are going to have to investigate this. <laughs> yes, <I'm sorry. laughs> okay. I did it. <laughs> there we and go. You, yeah. I forgot what. Oh, all right. What is final question I have? What is your reaction when you see when you look outside and it is just snowing? What is your first reaction that you have? Kill me. <laughs> uh, if it's early in the winter season, I have like the romantic heartstrings are are tugged i'm like oh, look at how nice it is if i'm nice it's nice and warm <laughs> and if, it, if i <laughs> if i'm not going anywhere i usually i'm like oh that's that's so sweet if it's like february i'm like this is horrendous i can't believe this is still happening so it depends on when in winter you get me but early in the season i usually find it to be pretty awesome i like it i, I hate for me, snow it's just the time of year i hate it i hate snow like kyle hates plants that's fair. Yeah. I, for me, it's definitely a where am I? Because if I'm at work, then it's a, oh, shoot. I got to drive in this. Or if it's, oh, you know, man. if it's like early in the morning, not going to love it. I, it just depends on how much. Because then it has to be the, do I have to snowblow this right now? Or can I just wait another three hours and hope it all melts? I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't want to think about it. I'm, just... <laughs> I'm gonna say it's coming right around the corner. Like it, we've had we've had days already where there's been snow uh, falling. Uh, give me out. You of can here. feel it in the air. You can give feel me out the of air, the Midwest. The bones. At least yeah. get me further. At least when I was in like when I was living in Illinois, like Central Illinois, Champaign, Illinois, wasn't wasn't quite as serious as it is. Could be worse. You could be in Wausau. I know they just got a bunch of snow. So. Oh, God. Could be worse. You could be in Minnesota. Oh. Let that be known. It's chilly. Uh, Fargo, fair. North Dakota. God. <laughs> I was having a great time until that, guys. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's kind of our specialty. Make sure people have a great time <laughs> and then immediately have it go downhill. But yeah, those are my rapid fire questions. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, well, I know you have a film review. I'll do a quick uh, fountain pen review, and then we'll do the red notice. Uh, my fountain pen ink this week is Robert Oster's Santa's Hangover. 
festive, of course. Uh, I was just plucking through like his 30 inks that he sent me to be like, oh, what's like a nice red? This is a nice red. It's not that saturated. Um, it's kind of like a, we'll see if you guys can see. This is always like a mixed experience with a nut. You can't, you can't sort of, well, in the, I'm in the kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. It's red. Oh, okay. Um, it's, it's like a, a flat red. The issue with reds is they're really dry, but like this one hits the right notes of vibrant without being too light to really read it off of a cream sheet of paper. Um, and it's not too dark to be like, oh, this is like burgundy. So it's like a very happy neutral red. Uh, and I think Santa, I don't know why Santa's hung over and why this has to be the color. I'm, you could just say Santa's sleigh or something, but Robert Oster, I'm sure there's a reason why it's Santa's hangover. I think it's a pretty solid red, even though it's a little dry. So I, I, I can't get over you talking about pens like this. I'm sorry. It's oh, it is. It's very endearing. Like very endearing. It's just like the way you're talking about it. It's like uh, I don't know. It's like it's like you're a sommelier or something like that. It, like it oh, this like, has notes of uh, burgundy in it, and you might get some uh, floral aroma. <laughs> I'm, I'm a when I compared to some people who are really into the hobby, I'm a chump. I got I know nothing <laughs> about what's happening. You should see how crazy some people get. There's like people who have the full swatch like set. They'll do every single ink when they open it. They pour like a little bit out. They do like a blot test. They do like water resistant testing. I mean, people get so into it. I happen to just like, I'm scratching the surface. So I, I might sound like I know a lot. I know Jack compared to some of these people. Nothing at all. It's a, This is amazing. This is amazing, Riley. I, I it is amazing. listen to I your pen reviews more often. I can't believe there's enough people to keep this damn industry going. There cannot, I mean, there cannot be that many of us real, realistically. So, yeah. Robert Ross, the Santa Hangover. Thumbs up for Santa's a Santa's Hangover. Solid. That's like a yeah. name of a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, might make that a cocktail in the future. Who knows? Probably already is. <laughs> Kyle, film review this week. Would it speak red to red? Strength to strength. Here we yes. go. So yeah, Red Notice. Um, had is this the Bruce Willis, Willis movie? No, this is the brand new one on Netflix. Uh, it has The oh, Rock. Okay. It has Ryan Reynolds and it has Gal Gadot. Um, long story short, if you enjoy buddy cop movies, if you are if you are a fan of that kind of thing or a fan of spy type movies, this is a very fun, very simple. You don't need to think too hard on it type of movie. If you want to just throw something on, watch, spend like two hours to watch something again, not have to be very invested. This was a very fun movie. I had a good time. Emma and I watched it on Friday night. We're like, yeah, let's just throw a movie on. I don't want to put too much effort into it. So we put this on It has obviously some fun jokes. It has some dumb comedy. It, it, it is one of those where also how it ended. It's like I could see them making a sequel. But if it was a, its own standalone, that'd be fine. So if you want just a fun, you don't have to think too hard type of buddy cop spy heist movie, this is the one for you. If you're looking for a deep dive, best picture quality movie, this is not it. So I give it a 6 out of 10. Like I said, it was it's fun. If you go in with low expectations, if you're just going in thinking, I just want to have a good time, it's a fun movie. It's a fun enough movie. My, my question to you guys, this is open to the floor. Does it kind of feel like we're getting again into dangerous too much of the rock content situations again? Because three or four years ago, I was like, he's he's doing too much. The rock is doing everything. And when you're doing everything, you're doing too much. Does it kind of feel like we're getting 
with like the Jungle Book or with the Jungle Cruise and then the Red Notice. Does it feel like we're getting a little too much rock again? We're definitely bracing into the I didn't realize how many movies this guy's done this year <laughs> area. <laughs> we're, we're getting pretty close to that where all of a sudden I was like, is there a movie he hasn't been in in 2021? And plus, then he had the rap song with Tech Nine, so I was like, "Okay, that's what." <laughs> yeah, he had a he had a rap song with Tech Nine, so we had that. He's been why hasn't he already had a rap song? That's a good. Question. I think he had an older one, but now he okay, had another yeah. one. But yeah, he had three movies this year, and then he had another three last year. Not last year, twenty nineteen, and then another. It, it, we are definitely getting close. Plus, I think he's in like a, he's probably in some movies in twenty twenty two as well. So. We're we're getting to a little bit too much rock in the movies. Yeah, we're getting we're getting close. You smell what he's Ke- cooking, and it's yeah. it's <laughs> it's it's very overwhelming. It's a very overpowering stench. <laughs> yeah. Well, shout out to the rock. I'm I'm glad he's he's doing it. He seems like a nice guy, but it's just like, oh my god, he's like the I see him more than I see my own fiance on a daily basis. You know, it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, how much rock content do we need? So that's my, that's my rock thought. Uh, okay. <laughs> Moving on to our final, se- final segment this week. It's a new one. Uh, we're workshopping the name Vans Shuffle. And the way that I have titled this is Music Rex from our very own musician. Van, please, whatever you want to make of this, we have no real plan. Please go for it. I, no, I, 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 I've, I've got it. I, before I, I, before I go to my my recommendation, I want to mention that uh, just to tie this back into the Bucks, because this is a, a Bucks podcast. Um, well, not really. Uh, this doesn't really tie it back into the Bucks, but I, I remember the say, first this time. This is kind of a Bucks podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ah. <laughs> this doesn't really. I mean, I'm just going to make an uh, allusion to the Bucks right here. Um, <laughs> that's about as far as I'll go. But the first time I was on uh, this podcast, we did like a little like hi how are you kind of like interview like with me and riley and you asked me riley um who is so if anyone ever who's listening to this listen to that podcast which whatever i mean thank you if you did but uh no worries if you didn't uh he asked me so i'm a i'm I'm a graduate student uh, i'm a a, a doctoral level student in, in music and I study uh, I study Latin American music salsa specifically and um, I'm focused my research is focused on salsa that came out of New York in the the 60s and 70s so Riley asks me on that podcast who is the Giannis of of that uh, that that scene that 60s 70s salsa scene in New York and I didn't really give a great answer I realized who it was is this guy named Larry Harlow who uh, is all right. He is so salsa music. A lot of Puerto Rican uh, musicians, Cuban musicians, um, and uh, not all of them were even born in those places. Some of them were first generation in New York. But uh, Larry Harlow is a pianist. He is. Uh, I think he's from Queens. He's his his name was at birth was uh, Lawrence Ira Khan, and uh, he was. Uh, he he became so he he's you know he's not part of that that culture but he became not only like the best pianist salsa pianist in that era uh, and like in the top bands at that time he started leading his own bands he was the only the only uh, non uh, the only non Latin American band leader in that scene who was like making it big and putting out records so he is 
kind of the Giannis of that scene. And Larry Harlow, uh, we lost him uh, a few months ago to, I believe it was kidney failure, um, uh, heart failure. And uh, just wanted to, you know, let's uh, let's raise one up, pour one out for for the Giannis of, of salsa. Um, anyway, on my recommendation, last night, uh, I have a I have a good friend who we we are. Uh, this is a guy I played music with for a very long time. For we, whenever we find something just truly, truly bizarre, and you know, we find this a lot just in our day to day like listening and studies. We send it to each other, and it's like, have you have you heard this or seen this? Like, you know, I'm talking about like stuff from Finnish monks and um, like. Uh, like ch- Dutch children's television shows, just things that are totally like outrageous and weird. Um, we're on this little Italian kick lately. Um, maybe some stuff from Ennio Morricone, who is a very famous uh, composer of all those westerns, those spaghetti westerns, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He he wrote that. Um, anyway, but he, we were talking about this Italian stuff. And he's like, have you have you heard this? He sends me this video for a song that is called. <clears throat> uh, prison Kaolin and Sinine Shuzol, which is spelled P R I S E N C O L I N E N S I N A I N C I U S O L. And that, this song, I, I mean, just uh, you have to, I spelled it so people can look it up, but it is meant to be a, <laughs> it's an approximation of an Italian singing a song in English. And uh, oh, I know it's like a jokey song, right? I think I know it, what you're talking about. Yeah, it's kind of it's yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to be a joke. It's just gibberish to us. But he, I was reading about this. This guy, let's see his I should give him credit is uh, Adriano uh, Celentano. This is from 1972. He he uh, Italian. He says Italian music was very popular or I mean, uh, American music was very popular in Italy at the time. And, uh, you know, everyone's singing along to, I guess, uh, I don't know, like, well, maybe not just American music, but English speaking music. So like all these Italians are singing along to, along to the Rolling Stones or uh, the Beatles, but they don't know the the words and they're sort of just approximating it. So to Italians, this music sounded, sounded like English. He was like, this is what I hear when I hear a, mm-hmm. a an American pop song uh, to us. It's, it's, it's 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 gibberish, but it's this song is totally catchy. I've been having it on repeat for the last. The the beat on this song is crazy. You, so when you I, know this song? I know what this song is. So yeah, you I know, know, what you're know talking this about. song? <laughs> this is amazing that you know this song. Prison Combination. I, I know the song, so now I am intrigued about this song. I will send it to you guys. I've just we'll I link spent it. A, we'll link it in the podcast notes. Yes, It'll be in the podcast. Yes, notes. I have spent the last day listening to it and trying to pronounce how they pronounce it but there's a whole bunch of lyrics to it and the crazy thing is like there is a chorus singing some of these just i like i don't even know they but they're all singing it in unison like what the hell i i mean i don't know so that's what that's what's that's that's van's shuffle for this week (laughs) wonderful that's a really good start that's a great start to the segment i look forward (laughs) to adding on to it and like i said i will link it in the podcast notes the music video is amazing if i if we're thinking of the same song yes song the uh music videos yes with the in the like the classroom type thing yeah yeah yeah, good 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 We are a podcast of culture. Uh, Our final (laughs) point, we will tie it back. We are not just culture. We are also Bucks basketball. We'll tie it back to the Bucks real quick. 
predictions for the week ahead. Uh, three games on the slates. We start Wednesday night. We host the Charlotte Hornets. On Thursday, they head up to Toronto to face the Raptors, and then back on Saturday to face the Heat. Uh, Kyle, prediction for the week? I'll say two and one. Just I think they beat Charlotte at home, but then because of the back-to-back over in Toronto, plus I don't know if there's going to be restrictions on players getting into the country of Canada or not. I, I just don't know between all of those factors. I can see Milwaukee maybe treating this more as a rest day and that could cause them to maybe slip up in Toronto and then beat Miami just because I, I feel like because of how badly the Bucks did when they played in Miami, they're going to want to get some revenge. Just kind of remind the Heat, that was a one-off. It's not going to happen again and reassert their dominance. So I'll, I'll say two and one. I have to agree. I can't uh, really like – I can't really make any like uh, claims – to the contrary of that, which, like, I, w- I would have said the same thing, and I don't have anything good to say, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> uh, I think we'll win all three. I can't tell what Toronto's Ooh. issue is. Is it, like, injuries? I mean, I know the roster sucks, too, because Pascal Siakam's their lead guy, but, like, they're, they're a strange team, and I can't tell if they have any aspirations to actually win this year, so I think we're going to continue cream in bad teams, and Toronto is definitely within that. And uh, I agree with Kyle that we will absolutely try to hammer the heat. Charlotte might be a little iffy, but we're going to have so much time off between now and then that like everybody should be relatively besides Brooke Lopez. Maybe Brooke Lopez will play. (laughs) Maybe DeMarcus Cousins will play. Oh, yeah. I I feel more likely DeMarcus Cousins will play before Brooke Lopez. Yeah. So I think I think they're going to win all three and we'll take this game up to uh, or the streak up to 10 games, 10 in a row. And I was uh, thinking nine at the beginning of it. Yeah. This like yeah. once they won like two or three, it's like they could win nine straight here. So, yeah, we're in pretty good position right now. Uh, so, yeah, this is the Brew Hoop podcast episode 113. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Brew Hoop. Obviously, find us at brewhoop.com. Um, you have the progress report, you have the Monday morning media roundup, you have the extended forecast, whole bunch of different stuff. Obviously the game recaps, uh, we ask not all that, uh, beggingly, but if somebody wants to rate and review, it's been like two years since somebody did it for us. So if you want to even just give us a rating, appreciate that over on iTunes or your pod, uh, cast dispenser of choice. Um, otherwise we will back here again next week. Thanks for listening.